Hello and welcome to the Diabetic Podcast. I'm Justin, I have type one diabetes, and on here I talk all things diabetes tech, news, management, and beyond. Today we're getting into a very, very interesting story. It is the history of DIY Loop, one of the first automated insulin delivery systems where CGMs could talk to insulin pumps to dose for insulin. It's the system that I work that I can run on my iPhone and my Apple Watch. This is an incredible story of a group of very smart people who would develop the best diabetes treatment system at the time and release it as a gift to the world. Loop came at a time when glucose level trends and data history from CGMs were not accessible to the user. Not like today when you can go on your phone and look at Dexcom Clarity. And this was long before T-Slim's Connect IQ and Omnipod 5's closed loop systems. In fact, you could even say that Loop pushed Big Pharma to get to where we are today. I'm speaking with Pete Schwamm, one of the early developers of DIY Loop. He played an integral role in developing Loop, working to crack the frequencies of Medtronic and Omnipod pumps to control them and built a key device known as the Riley Link, which was named after his daughter, who has type 1 diabetes. Pete continues to maintain Loop with a group of others, and I even ask him about what we can expect in the future for DIY Loop and a possible FDA cleared system known as Tidepool Loop. Keep in mind that anything you hear on this podcast or content on my social media and YouTube channel is not medical advice. Always consult with your physician before making changes to your healthcare. All right, let's get into the discussion. Pete, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Let me just tell you, this is probably for me the most anticipated episode I'm doing this first season of my podcast. Like, I am so excited about talking to you, learning more about Loop, uh, because I just find it to be a fascinating application and have such an interesting history. Before, I, I want to introduce you, but before we get to you and your background, can you just tell my viewers or listeners, what what is DIY Loop? Yeah, so DIY Loop is a automated dosing system that was written by, it's not written by a medical corporation, it's written by people that have diabetes, for people that have diabetes, um, to help them manage all the, you know, decisions that you have to manage throughout the day when you have type 1. Now, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and then kind of everything that led you to the point of developing this system? What did it take to get there? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's a long story, right? There's, I've, and I've heard it, I've heard this story repeated by a lot of people. Like, you, you know, you're, you're a parent and you have a kid that gets diagnosed and you want to do whatever you can. And so like people have gone and they've created all sorts of crazy things. I mean, Night Scout came that way. Um, you know, people, it's, it's a frustrating disease because it's, you know, it doesn't have a cure. There's no, like you as a parent, you kind of feel helpless and you want to do something. Um, so yeah, so it changed, uh, it changed my life in a big way. Um, and basically I was frustrated by the lack of ability to get access to the data that I could see on her pump. So I could see her blood sugar, uh, my daughter Riley, um, I could see her blood sugar, but I would have to ask her to take her pump out of its holster, you know, interrupt. She's six years old. She's playing around, you know, have a good time. And I'm like starting to worry. I haven't seen her blood sugar in a long time. I have to figure out what it is. And, 
you know, this happens many times throughout the day, and then I, you know, it's it's uh, uh, it's, it's just frustrating. So I started thinking there's got to be a way for me to get this data, and the current methods were like you could install this Java applet on your. What year is this? So this is 20, she was diagnosed in 2013, so okay. she was on a pump in CGM um, later in the year. So this is probably December of 2013. I'm trying okay. to trying to get the data off and there's, you know, it's a Java applet. This is like ancient technology. In 2013, it was ancient. And, I, you know, I'm having a hard time doing it. I'm sure nobody else is able to do this. And I was, you know, thinking there's gotta be, uh, there's gotta be some way. So that's kind of the start of that path. Um, and I, it ended up, ended up me going down roads of learning how to do radio frequency, reverse engineering, how to figure out what the protocols that the pump used to talk to the sensor and the pump used to talk to this other device that we got, um, and then build a little device that could listen to that communication and put it on my phone. Yeah, so um, I want to get, a, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but like, so are you saying at the time pumps, pumps didn't provide the data for you to easily ac access? Like, how were you able to access it and what wasn't available that is today? Yeah, so this was a time when even being able to see, you know, live data on your phone, like, it just wasn't a possibility. I mean, you couldn't see it on the web, you know, you, you couldn't, um, you know, you could see it if you had the device in your hand, but for a parent, that's really tough, um, you know, especially parents of young kids. Um, you know, that, that's pretty commonplace now. Dexcom made a lot of strides in the years since then. And, you know, you have, uh, this was before Dexcom share. So, um, you know, those things have filled that, that need. Uh, but, you know, the, the industry seems like it's still playing catch up to a lot of the things that, that we've developed in the DIY space. How did you get involved with the DIY space, specifically with Loop? Yeah, so, so I built this, device, it's called a Rylink after my daughter Riley, um, and I was using it to just be able to monitor her blood sugar. Um, and I, and I what exactly did that do, the so Rylink? That let me know, you know, I didn't have to go and get the pump out of her holster and see, like, you know, I need to know her blood sugar throughout the day, you know, as a young kid. Um, she started acting grumpy, maybe she's low, maybe she needs some carbohydrates, yeah. maybe she, um, you know. So just so people know, are you saying you did you create like i want people need to know like you created this right this riley yeah. link named after your daughter right yeah. uh you created this like <laughs> how did did you just you just created this one day in your, in your garage like what how'd that happen no no i uh, I, I, I have a tiny bit of electrical engineering background um you know i had an uncle that was into it and i um I actually started college as that, but I switched to computer science very shortly. But when this came about, like the, my only options for being able to, uh, you know, have a chance at getting this data was to try to figure out if I could intercept this stuff. So I had, to, I took a, two devices, one little prototype board that would listen to 950 megahertz comms from the pump, and another Bluetooth device. And I learned out how these things work and wired them together. So it was just like you have the two little circuit boards and their wires connect to each other and then figured out um, using another piece of another tool called uh, an SDR software defined radio this is a tool that can let you like listen to any sort of radio that's going on I could see the data going figure out how to decode it wrote some firmware on the on one of those chips so that it could listen to that data and then send it and make it available via Bluetooth to my phone um, and what, I, what was the pump that you were pulling the data from, that, that frequency you figured out? 
Yep, this was a Medtronic pump. It's one of the early like um, five two three Medtron Medtronic uh, paradigm pump. And uh, yeah, so then I could you know after we had this clunky little thing that I could you know I could package up together and but but it was you know obviously like a, a problem for that's nothing that you would want to carry around and and have uh, you know expected to keep working. It's just a bunch of wires and a couple circuit boards and some batteries. Um, so I you know dove into how to how do you design a PCB and figured out how to put that circuit that I you know built as two different parts onto a single PCB and then order the little parts and figure how to do this all the soldering with the tiny little parts and um, made a little board that worked and it was something that we could carry with and I could get the data um, and, and this I, was just you like you're just you're the only one at this point that has this right yeah you create yeah. one functioning device at this time yeah and uh, you know it was <laughs> it was slow going right because it's not my okay. job it's like i'm doing yeah. software at the day software the day and i'm doing this hardware hacking at night so it was it was over the process of a year trying to get this thing to uh to, to really work and um and you know but at the point where it was working i think i started you know i that that also coincided with me discovering some other things that there were other people out there doing things like night scout and there um you know there was another guy ben west who amazingly smart and capable guy had actually figured out a lot more about the protocol not on the radio side but he had figured out like so there's a there's a um you know the, all the radio comms are kind of wrapped in in what you need to do uh, the radio. Once you unwrap the radio, there's another set of commands inside that are the actual commands that go back and forth to, to you know, read a blood sugar value or to send a, a command to the pump. He had figured out all these commands using not a custom device, but a device that Medtronic provided called a CareLink stick. And this was the stick that you would. This is the stick that I would use to try to use that Java applet to try to download the data. But he had he had taken the stick and and used it to talk to the pump and figured out um, a whole slew of commands. And this is the eventual decoding that made OpenAPS possible and made Loop possible. So Ben, you know, if Ben hadn't done all this work and figuring out these commands, you know, I don't know if this whole thing would have started. I really credit Ben with kind of being one of the main people to unlock this possibility. What year is this uh, when you finish Riley Link, roughly? Um, so 2013, so 2014, I think it was, was it 2015? I, okay. I, I, and then I, this I, is I also, here. you were doing this and then you met Ben West, who was also working on this. I, I came across a tweet by him on Twitter, I think. Um, and then, you know, kind of reached out and I think we also started a, I started a little, uh, Gitter, like Git, um, GitHub, it's a place where all this okay. code is shared. There's a, there was a messaging app. I don't even, I think it might still be running, but they don't really support it. It's kind of, you know, yeah. on life support right now, but it was a place where you could go and you could, you know, create some discussion around a particular uh, code base. And um, I, there were a bunch of people on there all talking about doing this stuff. And we started, I shared what I had done. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of interest, a lot of people excited about this idea that you could, you know, not have to use the CareLink stick. And, mm. um, and Nate Ratcliffe was one of the people that saw that. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we're going to get into Nate Ratcliffe in just a second. Before we do, I just want to show everyone who's watching on YouTube, I'm holding an orange link, which an orange link wouldn't exist if there wasn't a Riley link. 
Uh, I never, I, I came into the game a little late. I was just diagnosed two years ago, uh, but I, I'm on loop and I was using for a while this Orange Link, which looks like an AirPods Pro case. It's orange and it holds two AAA batteries, but all of my friends would be like, oh, your AirPods are orange? I'm like, nope, this is not that. Please don't open it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so, okay, so you and Ben West are working on your own things, you get connected, and you're connected to all these people on Gitter, and I feel like this whole group of people you're talking to, Nate Ratcliffe, who's coming in, who's going to help create Loop, you're all the formation of what we call the We Are Not Waiting movement, am I right? Yeah, I think, so that particular term came more out, I think, about the, the people that were creating uh, Night Scout, and... Um, so, you know, again, like these all, all there's a whole group of people. They're not completely, everybody's, it's not like an organization, you know, right? They're kind of <laughs> doing their own thing. And um, uh, yeah, I believe that term came out of, of some of the people that worked in that space. It's fantastic. But, okay. Uh, Nate Ratcliffe, you, how do you get connected to him? And then what is, is he working on it already? Or what, what goes on next with no, the formation he, of Loop? He, I think he jumps into the Gitter group and he, um, Toby Canning, this other guy who uh, you know is really interested, he's like, we should make these things. We should we should find out a way to make them at scale. And I was the Riley like, links. Yeah, the Riley link. And I and I you know that was I'm like I don't know. This thing is just you know I it's it's working for me, but I don't I don't really know if this is something that we could really scale up. Um, but he just goes ahead and he just like finds somebody that can take a schematic, you know, the schematics I did and, and start making them. And this guy made, you know, like we started a form for collecting orders and this guy made, I think maybe a hundred of them or something and, uh, sent them out. And, you know, this is all kind of happening at the same time as we're figuring out how to use the Riley link in maybe some novel ways, like using Ben West commands to like in theory we could control the pump using a Riley link um, but it turns out that when we went to do that the um, the commands just wouldn't work like we could hear all the comms we could see all the comms but when we tried to send a command like it just wouldn't work and it turned out that a very technical detail in, in how we made these things using a standard like when you make the schematic for the for the 950 megahertz chip like there's a crystal that determines the frequency of everything like down to all the you know each little message how fast you send the message and it turned out that the pump could understand us when we sent just a shorter little messages but the timing was off just enough when you got to the longer messages that were required for bolusine that it did fail and so we um, had to go kind of back to the drawing board I figured out what was going on got a new type of crystal that was a slightly different frequency and we could use that to match the frequency and so but at this time all these right links have been sent out so people sent the right links back to me and on this oh, little no. board on this little thing back here that little red thing like i took these tiny little crystals off the you know off the boards and put a new one on like each and wow. it's like okay uh, so you send out so you get the riley links back you send them out and now people can at this point start sending instructions to their Medtronic pump to for for bolusing and and stuff like that yeah so this is very early on in the both op open APS you know and loop has like Nate has received this and has started to think about you know how he's going to write loop um, so there really isn't any sort of like thing that you could actually just get and start using people are hooking these up to their existing open APS um, you know uh, kits and trying to 
wire them up to you know send the commands and Nate is taking some of my code that I had written for the Bluetooth side of things on iOS because I have I had a little app you know that I used to watch Riley's blood sugar he took some of that code and is starting to put it into what would eventually become loop and um, so he and then he started sharing the, the loop code with me we started working on it together um, you know he eventually got it finished um, what is the I had a timeline here um, <laughs> And just for everyone, while you're looking that up, just for everyone listening, when when Pete says open APS, that stands for APS is automated pancreas system. So this is a time, right, Pete, where automated pancreas systems, automated insulin delivery systems like Omnipod 5, like T-Slim's Connect Q, these did, and even Medtronics, these did not exist. This is why there was a need and and there you felt the need all of you felt the need of like we need to be able to talk to our pumps using a phone we need to be able to have why don't we have our cgms talk to our pumps right like this did not exist at the right. time right at the, at the time like the way the standard therapy was that you you know your pump would be delivering a scheduled basal so you had to figure out you know kind of what your base basal rate was and you do this with your endo and then you would bolus for meals and then if you for some reason were getting high you you know, you'd add more insulin manually, and if you were going low, you'd take carbs or whatever. And every single one of those decisions you had to make, and they are, you know, can be in the hundreds in a day, right? And um, so, uh, you know, it was, I think the idea of automating insulin delivery had been around for a long time, but because of, um, you know, sensor quality, the sensors were noisy in the past, like a lot of people didn't feel it was feasible. And I think also the other idea was that, you know, you need to have something smart enough to, something that was smart enough to know what it should do, right, that you can manage your glucose. Well, it turns out that just being dumb, but doing it every five minutes, making a dumb, simple decision kind of based on traditional dosing, you know, actually ends up being a life changer, right? Like, all of a sudden, if you're making small changes every minute, every five minutes, but they're in the right, they're generally in the right direction, you end up with a completely different quality of life in terms of, you know, how well maintained your blood sugar is and um, how often you have to intervene. Yeah, I have to say I am a very spoiled T1D, right? I was diagnosed two years ago. I came at this time when there were incredible CGM technology, insulin pumps, and technology that combined those two. And before that, I guess pre like the last few years, there wasn't that and loop kind of filled the, that whole loop and other systems. There's also Android APS and um, other ones as well that existed to fill that gap and take those 500 decisions you make in a day and make it a lot less, uh, which is incredible. And, and it allows me loop and, and Omnipod 5 Connect Q for everyone who's on them, it allows us to really live in the mo moment more and not have to constantly be monitoring. And then when we get that alert, we can address it. Now, I want to get into loop. And for everyone listening, we're going to be talking about loop and its features. So if you came here to learn about that, we're going to be getting into that. But first, you need to tell me about this bounty. So I've been hearing that there was this time when you were all stumped on how to create some sort of connection for this system. And you crowdfunded money or something? Yeah, so James Wedding, one of the Night Scout Foundation um, people, he, 
you know, I think he had, he knew about the Omnipod. I, th I believe maybe his daughter was using Omnipod at that time. And he saw all this work around Medtronic pumps, right? Like the, the DIY community at that time was really focused on the DIY pumps, or sorry, the Medtronic pumps. And, um, you know, he was like, well, can we crack the Omnipod? And, you know, just a crazy idea. He put it out there and, you know, there were a lot of people interested, like in the, the, the chat room, the Slack room quickly filled up and um, there's a lot of excitement, people doing all sorts of things, using SDR to try to see the radio, you know, because the Omnipod had a, what was they call it, a PDM that sent the commands and stuff, we knew that it was radio controllable. So we knew in theory, like, there should be a way to control this. Um, and yeah, I, that was a, that was another long, <laughs> long learning experience with a lot of frustrations and I've, I've, you know, written about those in the, in the Medium article. Um, I read it. <laughs> that is, uh, that catalogs all the, uh, the highs and the lows of that process, you know, it was, we think we were close, we think we almost had it and then that wasn't it and, you know, it would feel like, well, we really can't get what we need and it felt like the project would die off and then, you know, somebody's like, well, I got, I'm going to hook this up, I'm going to get these people to actually open up the chip and take a look and, and see what's inside and they're like, well, we, how, how is that going to work? How can you actually dump firmware off a protected chip like that? But they did it and um, yeah, this, uh, it was, it was quite a, quite an involved effort with a lot of different people all over the world, um, you know, contributing to this. And, well, uh, you, cr you crowdfunded money, right? Like what, $40,000 or something? Um, you know, I don't even remember what to the, like pay this person, right? Uh, so I think there was even more invested than that. Um, and the, and then you talk about the amount of hours put in, like the bounty itself was a s small drop in the bucket compared to all these professional people's times that had all this experience putting massive hours into this. Um, you know, if you would have actually paid everybody what they, you know, put into this, you'd be probably talking, you know, maybe millions of dollars. I don't. Yeah. Know. And I have to say though, that's what makes loop and all the people behind it so special because these people, why did they work on it? Many of these people didn't even have diabetes like you, you had family members who were, you were creating technology, software, connections, diverging into like frequencies and playing operation to help people. And, and then that system loop and other systems available are just out there for people to get for free. You're not asking for any money for them to use it. And you're, and you're also continuing to maintain it, which we'll get into in just a second. But I mean, that's admirable. <laughs> yeah. I think the idea, you know, a lot of us are, you know, we have hobbies or we're, we're geeky, you know, we love to work on these things. Like these are fun things. And when the opportunity comes to take something that you're good at and that you enjoy and apply it in a place that's going to have an impact, right? That's a, that's kind of the holy grail of finding, um, you know, meaning in your work. We've got that background. Now, from the time you meet Nate, how many years, I think that was like 2014, what is it, two years that it takes to get Loop up and running for, for everyone? Yeah, so I think it was uh, June, it was around June 2015 where Nate started, well, that's where Nate and I started sharing code. He, I shared, I gave him my code, he started working on his stuff. And I think it was about a year, a little bit less than a year later that he was actually running Loop. Like he was, he had it dosing and controlling his, um, his pump. Um, it, it took me a little bit longer to feel comfortable 
uh, you know, doing that. But like this was, you know, this is insulin is a scary drug, right? It's a super scary drug, and handing that over to software that I've, I've been working in software a long time. There's no such thing as bug-free software, and you know, the idea that this, you know, it was it was hard at first to, to do it, but, you know, so we watched it like a hawk, right? Like, we sat there and, you know, stayed up all night watching it dose and watching it make the decisions, and, um, you know, it did everything right, and, you know, we kept, and as time went on, it was like, wow, we, you know, this thing just works, and it just, it just, it, uh, it does, we, we don't, have, you know, we're not having to deal with the lows and stuff, and it was very quick to all of a sudden be like, okay, this is made, you know, we can sleep through the night now. We're like, we have alarms, you know, if, we, if her blood sugar is going down low, we'll, we'll get alerted. But, um, you know, we, there are a lot of safety checks in there and there were a lot of other people using it and, you know, any bugs were found. Like, I think that's one of the advantages of this, um, of this oh, DIY community is, well, you not, you have a little bit different control systems, but it's not like there aren't control systems, there aren't quality systems in place. The quality systems is that, you have people that are committing their time to watching these systems closely and trying it in very real-world scenarios, right? So one of, one of the things that happens in the lab, you know, is that you, you might be very strict and you might have a lot of checks, but it's the lab. It's a different environment than what you see in real life, and um, sometimes things get missed that way that, uh, you know, we catch really fast in the DIY community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's 2015, June 2015, it's up and running. And what, just six months later, roughly, or it, it goes to kind of as like the loop 1.0 or yeah, version? So, yeah, and then in October 2016, I think is when Nate, Nate okay. uh, left to work at Apple. And that's when, yes, he yes. his, that's when he released his 1.0. He wrote a great article on, on the road to 1.0. Um, yeah, I'm going to post both your Medium post and his in the description of this episode notes because they're fascinating reads. They're what kind of started me on this journey of searching what the origins of Loop are. And I made a video when I was working at CNET. Uh, I made a whole video and that's kind of the reason what kind of how it brought me there and just this whole journey. And I also made a loop video on this YouTube channel, on my YouTube channel. So if people are watching, they want to see that, you'll see loop. Okay. So now loop is given to whoever really wants to take those files and grab them and build it themselves because no one's building it for them. This is not an FDA cleared system. This is build at your own risk type thing. Um, there are lots of community groups out there that will help with issues. Um, and you can find those resources in the notes of my YouTube video. Um, and maybe I'll put uh, loopdocs.org in this in the episode notes as well if you want to learn more. Now, Pete, there were risks to this, right? You were putting a system out there that anyone could take, they could build it, and they could use it incorrectly. And that could lead to not so great circumstances, maybe death. What were the risks? What did you feel and the group feel were the risks by putting this out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think if, if we didn't know that it was working, if it hadn't been changing our lives, I think the risks would be too much, right? Like, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, I can't, there's nothing I can say to say, like, 
that's not risky. Diabetes itself, though, is inherently a risky disease. When you look at the number of uh, people that have, you know, have horrible issues, you know, for simple mistakes, not using automated therapy, but you know, just manual injections, and you know, and that was one of the things that actually convinced me to, you know get kind of over one of my hurdles was, you know, I was up one, late one night and Riley had been, her blood sugar had been high for hours and she wasn't coming down and we've been giving more insulin and, you know, it's like, like I'm knowing in my head that using the correction ratios that we have, it, it wasn't providing enough insulin and so I'm, you know, I'm sleep deprived and I'm trying to figure out how much more insulin to go, you know, and I, so I bump it up a little bit more and then she starts coming down and it's just like, you know, okay, you know, and, and people have this experience where they're like the, you know, the rage bolus, all these kind of things. You are, um, uh, people aren't perfect and they're, they're making mistakes all the time too. And so we're living, so, so the baseline for, you know, the baseline of risk is already very high, just starting with diabetes. Um, I feel that the code and the software that we were providing reduces risk. Like, it can't bring it to zero. There's still risk out there. Something bad can still happen. People can misuse stuff. Um, but it was changing things in a huge way to make us a lot safer. And so in that, from that perspective, it feels like it's almost, you know, it, it'd almost be a liability not to put it out there. You know, you'd, you'd yeah. be doing a disservice not to share it. And um, But with the risks, were you worried about, like, prosecution? Like, was that a fear? Um, yeah, I, um, you know, I, we do try to be clear about what this is. I don't want Loop to be a product. I'm, I'm not trying to support a product that I'm, I'm making for people when I work on DIY Loop. I'm, um, I'm sharing things that I think help me and they could be useful to other people if they decide that they want to use them. Um, and so I want to be clear about that when, when we're talking about this. Um, you know, I think there are companies that are trying to make this a product, something that is actually something that is designed for an end user to take and use. And as a product and a marketed product, like it should go through the FDA, it should go through all these things, it should have support. Like you should have somebody that is a, um, you know, a company that's going to say we take responsibility for this product that we are we are making for you, um, that you know we are providing you a service of this of this product. Um, DIY is not a service. It's not a it's not a product. It's a thing, and it is it has gotten over the years easier and easier for people to use and download. And um, you know, it it starts to feel like it gets closer and closer to a product, um, but you know, we want to, we want to try to keep that distinction of this is people sharing what works for them. Um, we want to keep the DIY community free to be trying these things and to be doing the things that really do push the envelope for, you know, new therapy options and, um, you know, show industry that you can be doing this stuff. Um, but doing it in a way that isn't, you know, trying to get everybody to use this. I don't think most people should be using DIY. I, I think, I, I really hope that, you know, we can bring these solutions 
to we can bring interoperable solutions where people can choose their sensor and can choose their pump independently and they can do it with a real product that with a company backing it that's what that's how this should happen but i think it's also important for people to know this exists for the reason of how can we push pharma and the companies that are doing this fda cleared how can we push them in the direction of a lot of the great things that loop does let's get into the loop app and kind of what features it has, what we like about it, what what you think could be coming. I'll start. Um, I think one of my favorite features about Loop is the fact that you could program glycemic index of foods. This is a game changer, I think. Um, this means you can choose how quickly the foods you're eating when you're programming the carbs. You can also uh, tell it how quickly this food's going to hit your blood sugar, right? So orange juice, obviously that's gonna be a sooner than pizza. And what the app does is it gives you three main logos, three main uh, emojis, which is like adorable. And then you can go through and choose through diff through other ones that also will help you. Like when you tap ice cream, it kind of just does it for you. It tells you, oh, it's gonna probably do this. You know, obviously there's some thought that needs to go into it and use case scenarios of just using it, but that's what I love. What would you say is like one of the two or one or two features of Loop that you think just sets it aside from what is FDA cleared right now? What makes it unique? Well, one of the things is bolus from a watch, right? Like that's one of the like simple things that, you know, Loop has had since day one. It was so cool. And we're like, you know, industry, you need to do this. Like who, one of the biggest things about diabetes is being out in public and you're having to take out your controller or whatever and people are looking at you like what is that thing or you know what are you doing and um, having that you know just like that very subtle thing where you look at your watch you tap a button and boom like nobody questions that it's amazing it it is the <clears throat> you're right it is like that is actually the coolest feature i also asked omnipod if they were going to have a tag along apple watch app and they said that they're not going to say anything yet but yeah <laughs> that is yeah my favorite part it you makes know, you I'm like it makes you need an Apple Watch, I think. If you're looping, like, get an Apple Watch. It uh, it makes a, it's it is a huge the like for the smallness of it and for the you know uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it might not be that big of a deal, but it makes a huge difference for a lot of people. Um, not only that, like alarms and stuff going to your wrist, and you have the haptic vibration for those kind of alarms to surface there makes a big difference. Um, you know, you're not beeping and buzzing. And, um, yeah, so that's. That's that's one of the big ones, um, you know. I think the the remote, like the support for remote caregivers through other apps. Like so, right now it's it's not ideal, and we're making progress in in, in a direction. I think that'll that'll help. But if you have Loop plus Night Scout plus Loop caregiver app, you can be doing things. You know, you can be keeping track on your loved one's diabetes very closely. You can also for those. Um, you know, kids, younger kids that are not doing any of their control, you can actually be doing remote commands. Now, this seems scary to people, but it done in a secure way with feedback and with good telemetry, like it allows you to, again, be safer than you would, you know, to keep your daughter safe because you know what's going on. You are, you know, as a caregiver, you have a better idea generally what's going on and what's needed in different situations. Yeah. And, and does that exist for any other systems out there? No, Rem there's no, like, there are no other systems that allow you to remotely wow. adjust dosing. Um, 
Wow. And, um, yeah, and it's probably, watch might come sooner, but I think remote control is going to be uh, a ways down the, down the road. Yeah. Do you think, do you think they're work, they want that and they're working toward that pump companies? Um, I'm assuming that there are companies looking into it. I don't know, you know, to any direct, uh, any direct efforts, uh, directly mm -hmm. of any of efforts like that. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it involves a lot of risk and, um, you know, cybersecurity is a very big topic at device manufacturers and these larger mm -hmm. companies are very risk averse. Um, yeah. I've, I've told people like if someone got my phone and somehow and hated me and wanted me to die mm -hmm. and they got into my phone, they could, they could do that. Yeah. Which is like, right. yeah, it's, you know, but, but someone could also take your PDM and do the same thing. They could right? also like, walk, so like, it's not your, that much different. <laughs> they can walk up you to you with a needle full of insulin. And exactly. That's exactly. Right. right. Th these risks are here and maybe the FDA cares yeah. about some of that stuff, but there's like, there's always going to be a way. Yeah. Um, now the reality is that yeah. we're dealing with risk every, every minute of the day, right? We are dealing with like the, the possibility of even with correct dosing, your kid goes and jumps on the trampoline and they just ate and they've got a lot of insulin on board. The jumping on the trampoline stops your digestion. Your, it, it enhances the effect of insulin. You are, your blood sugar is going to crash. And, yeah. you know, these are dangerous, very dangerous situations that you're, you're confronting all the time. And yeah, so, I, give so, I give so much credit to you and other parents out there. It, managing my own diabetes is already enough, but it's my burden to carry and I hold that. But being a parent and also knowing how, how your kid is feeling in these lows and these highs and these scary moments, that's got to be so, so difficult. And, and for parents listening, like you are just as much a warrior as people with diabetes because you are fighting every single day. And also, so you know, your child is going to live an incredible life just like anyone else because of these systems that exist, not just Loop, but because of Omnipod 5 and Tandems, ConnectQ, and, and other automated systems. Like, you are having a child at the best time for diabetes. Like, so, like, don't worry. Um, okay, we got to move on to the future of Loop. What is one feature that that you are working on with the Loop app? Is there something you can tell me that, like, I may have access to in the future that would kind of, like, I don't know, blow my mind or, or even just get me excited? Yeah, so, you know, I, there's a, I'm always working on a lot of different things. Um, I think that one thing that I'm excited about that I don't, it ends up being pushed back a lot just because of the day-to-day, -day, you know, dealing with bugs, dealing with... Um, this is again still like the DIY stuff is still basically my spare time. I, I work at Tidepool on, and it is on loop, but it's, you know, I'm working on loop, uh, Tidepool loop stuff there. And yeah, we're going to get into that in just a sec. Uh, and so, you know, the, uh, uh, but the things that I would love to see are the, um, things that help people with their settings, right? Understanding what your, what, a, what are appropriate settings is very difficult. Setting up loop for the first time and figuring out settings is very appropriate. And having Loop not only be able to, you know, suggest settings or, um, you know, uh, give you an initial set that works based on what it's seen and some data that you may you can share with it, but also to like help as your diabetes changes to help you change your settings and update. Is that artificial intelligence or just algorithm or both? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 
they're all the same. Like there's no okay. hard lines between these things, right? Like Loop okay. already does dynamically adjust to what it sees in your blood sugar and to, to some extent some of the historical stuff that it's seen. Um, oh, I had know. I did not even know that. Yeah, we could we could talk about the algorithm. <laughs> okay, that's going to be another episode uh, <laughs> because I I need to learn more about that. Um, we're we're getting close to to the end. I do want to talk about though. Let's let's talk about Tidepool because um, I'm actually speaking with Howard Look from Tidepool very soon on this podcast, um, or maybe that episode already came out. I don't know yet. But um, can you tell me what what is Tidepool, and then kind of like tell me about Tidepool Loop, which is well, I guess you can tell everyone what that is. <laughs> Yeah, so Tidepool is a nonprofit organization. It was started, you know, to uh, Howard will give a, a much better summary, um, but very quickly, you know, they went they wanted to try to be able to present all your diabetes data in one place. Like it used to be that you just see your blood sugar separate in one place. You go see your insulin data in another place, and very smartly wanted to put it together. They also like you know back in um, I think it was early 2018. Uh, decided, like had this crazy idea that they might be able to take Loop, the DIY version, and bring it to the FDA and make it available to everybody. And that's, um, I think that, you know, that was a very, I was also thinking about that at that time. There had been uh, discussions. I'd been on calls put together with the JDRF, with the FDA, and with, um, you know, members of the, like high up members of many of the device manufacturers talking about interoperability because Loop was showing that you can you can take a, a Dexcom sensor and it can be used to control dosing on a Medtronic pump. Um, and, you know, the FDA is trying to figure out how to do this and, it, you know, once patients are wanting this and industry needs to support it. Um, but I had no idea how to start a company to bring through that, you know, bring a product like Loop through the FDA. But Tidepool did have a FDA experience. Um, so they took on this uh, role of bringing Tidepool or bringing DIY Loop through the FDA, putting a quality system around it, putting you know risk management, uh, you know helping develop, like uh, mitigate any risks that they identified through this process, and making you know in the in essence making Loop safer, and um, partnering with device manufacturers because they had you know already were working with many device manufacturers partnering with them to make FDA-approved versions of those device integrations for Loop and bringing that to market. Um, and they've been doing a great job. So obviously this is the goal, right? Like for you to one day have like an iPhone and any earbuds you want that aren't Apple, right? Like, or an, a watch that, you know, and Apple's not doing this either, right? So like you understand that there's gonna be some pushback from these pharmaceutical companies that don't want that. But we want that. The people want that. Um, kind of on the same the same topic, uh, Omnipod Insulate pulled out, right? They were working with Tidepool Loop. Didn't they pull out from the uh, partnership? So the details are, you know, maybe I can't go into the complete details, but there, there were parts of their submission that made it so that it would not, uh, not be fully interoperable. And yes, like that was not part of the plan. And... Um, you know, you know whether or not Insulin comes back and you know eventually does want to continue its integration with Type Loop, but yes, right now that's not uh, you know that particular integration is kind of on pause. So yeah, I'm definitely um, disappointed about that. Um, yeah, but 
I yeah, do hope that odds are great, and odds are you know that's a they great, are. great pump. Uh, many people love them, and that you know should be a choice for people. Um, yeah, and I hope I hope either they come back and <laughs> work with you, or um, and I and I know I don't think Tidepool has announced um, major companies that are are working with you yet uh, for this interoperability, but. I hope you do soon, and I hope they're available soon, so people can get a taste of what DIY Loop is uh, with yeah. Tidepool Loop. Yes. Tidepool is working with other pump vendors. Okay. Actively. We can't can't say who they okay. are. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's okay. That's great. Um, sounds good. Now, do you think uh, DIY Loop will always be around? If 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 Loop Tidepool Loop comes out, is DIY Loop gone? That's what I, I used to think and hope. Um, you know, as time has gone on, I've realized that there's probably always going to be uh, a need. Like, Tidepool is really, you know, some of the things we're doing at Tidepool are looking at how we can make fast iterations of clinical studies, smaller, you know, faster iterations to keep up with the pace of innovation that we really need to, to, to you know, get what people are needing. Um, you know, and that, that hopefully we'll be making good strides there, but there's always going to be different things or very small use, smaller use cases that address a, a, a really important need for a smaller group of people. Um, and I think, you know, there are just things that don't make sense, you know, for a larger company to try to take on or they, they can't take everything on. Right. And so having this, having this, this rich, uh, ground, you know, groundwork out there that can be built upon and these other experiments can be tried, I think is, is probably going to continue to be a, um, you know, a really, really important part of the whole eco, the, the whole, whole system of things that are available to people. Again, I, I don't think that building apps yourself is a, uh, a great choice for most people. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's not the ideal choice for sure. I, you know, ideally you would have a company that provides what you need and provides it in a way where they are responsible. They're taking hundred percent, you know, responsibility for it and they are supporting it. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing all, they're doing all the due diligence that they need to do with the FDA to, to make sure it's safe. Great. Last question. What do you think needs to change in the industry, specifically mainstream industry? What, what do you want to see? Um, yeah, I've got that. a list, but maybe we'll start with the most, the biggest one is open interoperability in terms of pump specifications, CGM specifications, specify like the actual protocols that, and design with that in mind. You can design secure systems that allow this, the user to authenticate with the device securely, um, and you are doing so on an iPhone, which... Yes, you could install their apps, but it is a secure platform. It is one of the most secure platforms you can have nowadays. Um, you know, develop these hardware components so that they can take advantage of. So I think companies would want to have their device be the one selected by a developer who has a very novel idea at addressing some problem in, the, in, the, in this space. And they choose that manufacturer's pump because it's open. Right now, it's it's somebody has an idea, somebody wants to write an app. Like they can't talk to a, a device manufacturer and say, "Oh, would you give me the give me the specs for this?" That just doesn't happen now because device manufacturers haven't designed it with that in mind. Um, so 
you know, that that would be my dream if they did open this yeah. up, and it would make it would have saved many years of reverse engineering these things, and um, you know, we'd be ahead of where we are right now with with that kind of support. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today about all this. It's it's a fascinating story, and and just like the heart behind it is truly it's inspirational. Uh, it's helping so many people, and hopefully. And it already has pushing uh, pharma to do better and to to get these features that Loop's providing is showing that test case and being like, you can do this too. You know, whether or not they all sign on board for Tidepool, there's still still good push and pressure because other people out there are, you know, managing their diabetes easier with these these systems. So thank you so much. Uh, This was incredible. And I look forward to talking to you again in the future about that algorithm. (laughs) Thank you. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Episodes come out every Monday on any podcast platform, plus YouTube if you want to see me in video. There are links to my YouTube channel and social accounts in the description of this episode. Until next time, I'm Justin, and I'll take you later.